This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Caitlin, the sound editor of the Red or Dead podcast. Katie and Kendra are taking a break this holiday week, but now that we're at the end of the year, we thought it would be fun to reflect on what they said their most anticipated books for 2023 were this time last year. This episode originally aired on January 13th, 2023, so please enjoy the rerun and we'll be back with a new Red or Dead episode in two weeks. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 144, and we are recording on Tuesday, January 10th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How's your uh, 2023 been going? Well, it's... it's it, a lot has happened. Well, our new director started at her job last week, so I am no longer interim director, which is a relief. But aside from that, I uh, Marie Kondoed my closet, nice. which was very exciting. Got rid of multiple bags of clothes, some for donations, some for recycling, and my closet feels very empty. I have been going through, I've been watching Parks and Rec from the very beginning for the first time wow. in my life. I know. So many people around me, they're like, what do you mean you haven't seen Parks and Rec? I'm like, I don't know. And my husband started watching it. I'm like, all right, all right, I'll watch it. And now I'm like, oh, I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of, I'm like, yeah, settling back into a less intense workflow. I, I watch Parks and Rec when I come home and I cleaned out my closet. So, so far, so good. <laughs> What about you? What has 2023 brought for you so far? Well, lots of corgis running in the mud so far. Uh, it's been raining here, so we're doing that. But I am still unpacking from moving back to the upstate. So I've been trying to consolidate and like get rid of stuff to because we don't have as much storage. So it's taking me a bit longer, but I'm getting rid of a lot of stuff, which is nice. Um, or sending it to other people or finding new homes for it or whatever you want to call it. And... Yeah, I mean, that's really been the summary. I am just working and trying to relax because moving, as everyone knows, is stressful. And then we immediately went into the holidays. So for the first time since September, I feel like I'm able to relax a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's odd because, yeah, for me coming back from or coming down from a super, super intense workflow at work that was just consuming like every thought in my head, whether I was at work or not, and now going back into the role that I had previously, I was like, oh, wait, I've got like time to kind of just <laughs> sit and not have to worry about stuff. This is weird. Right. You feel like guilty that you're not working on something. I know. And I mean, maybe that's, I mean, I think that's part of the reason my brain was just looking for something to seize on to. Like, I've got to be doing something. So it picked just reorganizing and, you know, getting rid of a lot of clutter because our apartment's not very big. And while I am not nearly as clean of a person as my husband is, like, I can tolerate a fair amount of clutter and stuff. So when I start saying, mm, I think we got a lot of stuff going here, going around here that we need to get rid of, like, you can take that to the bank. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I am going to capitalize on this newfound energy and just kind of run with it and see how far it goes. Because I don't usually have that energy. So I'm not... <laughs> I don't want to let it slip past me. So that's why yeah, this weekend I, I told my husband, I'm like, okay, today I am Marie Kondoing my closet. And he just kind of looked at me like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I need to do this. He's like, you do that. You 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 do that. And yeah, so now my my drawers are like, they I got rid of like two thirds of the stuff in my drawers. Everything's folded all neatly. And I'm like, oh, so now 
I like this evening, I think I'm I haven't gone through my shoes yet. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go through my shoes and get rid of some some shoes that I'm not wearing anymore. And it it feels good. You know, I feel like the new year, everyone uh fusses about like we don't need New Year's resolutions, but for me, they're more like achievable goals. And I'm like, okay, so for this achievable goal, I want to hang up these shelves so that our traveling mug collection can have a home. I feel like that's a good goal for the new year. That, yeah, when you were like achievable goal and I was like, what's that? <laughs> but I'm like, oh, that 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 is simple. It's concise. Mm-hmm. It's limited. <laughs> Organizing my pantry, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's a great goal. I want to unpack my TBR because that is the last set of books I need to unpack. Now, I say set. It is over 10 boxes of oh. of books, um, but they're in the laundry closet right now because we still don't have a washer and dryer because they're backordered, apparently. We did not know this. So anyway, so they're living in there right now so I can close the door and not look at them, but I need to move them out so, you know, so the washer and dryer can be delivered because with muddy corgis, <laughs> laundry is important. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't, I don't, ugh. I, I would just be so upset if I had to if I had to wait on a washer and dryer. Like that was when we moved into our the the subdivision that we live in now. It's an apartment complex subdivision, but one of the big draws was that it, each unit had its own washer mm-hmm. and dryer. And I'm like, I'm not sure where we're going to end up after this after we leave this place. But I'm like, we have to have our own washer and dryer. I will not settle for anything. Less. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We haven't had any since we moved in in November, and so. We have been either going to a friend's house. They do have like a laundromat on site in this complex, but one of the dryers is broke. So that's been exciting. But I feel like we've been thrown back into college, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Yep. (laughs) So I'm just very grateful that we only have about two weeks left to wait. So theoretically, next time we record, they should be here or on their way. We'll celebrate with the sound of the washer and dryer running in the background. <laughs> oh my word, you are so right. I already have to turn the air off because the uh, AC unit is right next door. And yeah, my goodness. But anyway, very excited to chat about new books with you today. It's one of my favorite times of year when so many different lists come out. So I'm excited to put out ours. Yeah, no kidding. Um, before we jump into that, whether new book or not new book, have you been reading anything the last couple of weeks or have you just been chasing after the corgis? I've <laughs> been doing both. I uh, <laughs> Audiobooks, you can chase there corgis and read. I've been reading a lot of large books. Like I read David Copperfield wow. so I could read Demon Copperhead and understand what was going on. <laughs> but I actually just finished Age of Vice by Deep D. Kapoor, and this is out from Riverhead Books. And it is a sprawling crime drama set in Delhi, India, or New Delhi, as it's now called. And it is this, uh, man, it's like this accident, and Mercedes is speeding along the road on the outskirts of town. It hits a bunch of people, five people die. And so this man, Ajay, is taken and arrested and accused of the crime. But we suspect as readers that he didn't actually do the crime. Then we rewind back to his childhood. We're introduced to him, his employer, Sonny, who is a 20-something guy who is a patron of the arts. But his dad comes from a crime family. So... It's over 500 pages, but it's already been chosen as a, what is it, a Good Morning America pick, I think. And it's also, more importantly to me, Roxane Gay's pick for January for her book club (laughs) on the audacity. So, I mean, you don't have to take my word for it. (laughs) Take Roxanne's. (laughs) Yeah, this book, I mean, it's been on all of the most anticipated lists for the year, for the month, for whatever the case is. Like this book has been like right off the bat is one of the big buzzworthy titles. And I remember when our copies came in at the library because I ordered a couple copies and it came in. I went, oh, that's a doorstopper. Mm-hmm. It's it's chunk like it is <laughs> it. But it's in the best way because sometimes I just want to settle in and stay with the same book for ages. And maybe I'm entering my large book era of my reading life. 
after my villain era, perhaps. And so I feel like it works really well because you get to be with these characters for so long. And like Roxane Gay says in her review on Goodreads, like it's a flawed book, but it's part of a trilogy. So she suspects that a lot of the questions she was left with will be answered in the next books. Yeah, so I mean, for me, I've been finishing books that I had picked up before and hadn't finished yet. And so um, so that's been great. But I did just start the audio version of a true crime book that I talked about on this show, you know, several years ago when it first came out. It's uh, Black Dahlia, Red Rose, The Crime Corruption Cover-Up of America's Greatest Unsolved Murder by Pew Eatwell. And so it's obviously about the Black Dahlia murder. And basically, I was just looking for an audiobook because all of the ones, I put a bunch of holds on, on audiobooks through Libby at my library. And I was like, oh, what's available now? I need to listen to something. So this one was available. I am going to be traveling to Los Angeles, hopefully at the end of next month into March. And so I'm reading, I'm a lot of my reading interests are kind of centered around Los Angeles at the moment. But I remembered reading this book and enjoying it. But it's I mean, it's about the Black Dahlia murder from 1947, but it's also about the, because like there have been all these theories about, okay, who actually murdered Elizabeth Short? And Pew Eatwell was actually able to, she got access to a bunch of documents that had recently been declassified by the LAPD. And so she had access to information that was not available until the publication of this book. So she has... She was able to sift through that information and come up with a very plausible theory of who who done it, basically. But yeah, it's a really interesting historical true crime book. And yeah, so I'm not super far into the audio version, but it has been um, it's been very entertaining to listen to as I drive home from work. But yeah, I'm happy, happy to find another audiobook to kind of fill that void while I'm waiting for some of my other titles to come in. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that moment when you're like, I need something to listen to while I wait for these other things to come in is like, a, what's it called when the airplane circles the airport? Like a holding pattern? Thank you. Thank you. There we go. It's like a holding pattern. So I'm glad you were yeah. able to find something that worked. An enjoyable holding pattern. Yes. All right. Well, before we jump into the rest of the episode, let's go ahead and take a pause for a minute and hear from our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eilin. Shi Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed, and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shi Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shi Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year, and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increased increasingly more sus when he and Shuei barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke and 
who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eileen for sponsoring this episode. All right. So if you are a longtime listener, welcome back. We are so excited to have you join us in a new year. If you are a new listener, welcome. We're delighted to have you. You picked a great episode to join us on. As Kendra mentioned before, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite um, or our most anticipated books for the year. But before we get into that, um, just real quickly, we on this show, we talk about mystery and suspense and true crime and just about everything that falls under that umbrella, which we've kind of already covered in the first like 10 minutes of the show. But this is also the part of the show where we always put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for future topics for us to talk about in future episodes. We really, really, really have relied on these suggestions that we've gotten from listeners over the last several years. These have really been great suggestions for us to help plan future episodes. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. Great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. So whether it's author read-alikes or subgenres that we haven't explored a whole lot or talking about a particular movie adaptation or, you know, a piece of true crime news that's that's been been in the headlines recently or just a fun thought that popped into your head. If it's mysterious and suspenseful, it's probably fair game for us to talk about. So if you have any ideas or show suggestions, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes. We just put out the call ahead of time to get those creative juices flowing while you listen. And even if you don't have an idea, but you just want to say hi, well, we love that as well. We love hearing from our listeners. So definitely send us an email if you feel so inclined. And if you enjoy this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. And with that, I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of news happening in the last couple of weeks. There rarely is at the very tail end of the year. Although I will say just a quick shout out, if if any of you have Netflix and have not yet watched Glass Onion, the second <laughs> movie in the Knives Out universe, uh, please do. It is fantastic. Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc is just amazing. Like I didn't... I, did not have strong feelings about him either way as James Bond, but as Benoit Blanc, I will die for that man. <laughs> and he is rather lovely. And I love the way that he does his accent because it is slightly like it could be considered over the top, but it works for the genre of the movie that it is. And I don't know. I just really enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, no, I I loved Knives Out and Glass Onion. I was I had heard was really good, so I got to watch it a couple weeks ago with friends of ours, and it was uh, it was just a delight. I loved it. It just it's a takedown of super rich culture and like tech bros and stuff, but it's also you know it inverts and really looks at mystery tropes and. Janelle Monet in this movie. Yes. Holy cow, she is gorgeous. Stunning. And she is amazing. And she just steals every scene that she's in. So, yes. There you go. 100%. <laughs> just, it was a very star studded cast. And I really enjoyed it. I feel like they lean into, like, they're very self aware with those movies. And they lean into the tropes and they're not afraid to, like, be kitschy and over the top. And, I don't know. It's definitely a good time. Yep. Highly recommend watching it. And right now, everyone is putting out a call for Knives Out 3 to be Benoit Blanc with the Muppets. Oh, my word. That would be amazing. It really would. Like, like people <laughs> I've seen to show up on Twitter and people are like, do it, you cowards. <laughs> I mean, you think about Muppets Christmas Carol, a Muppets Treasure Island 2 classics, best adaptions of those uh, books, bar none, like... Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. No, Daniel Craig could pull that off. No problem. Yes. It would be amazing. Someone even photoshopped the Muppets in front of him in his little, like, striped outfit with the ascot from from Glass Onion. And I'm just like, it's perfect. Oh, my goodness. Like, that's it. <laughs> yes. Like, I feel like we need a good Muppets movie. We've It's been a long time since we had a good one. So, like, I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, so the, yeah, that's our news update. Um, Glass Onion was awesome. <laughs> Go watch it. <laughs> the end. <laughs> yep, the end. Nothing more to say. So in terms of most anticipated for 2023, I know when we've done this show in years past, we usually get most, if not all, of our suggestions from Crime Reads' most anticipated list that they put out in early January. I don't know what's going on over at Crime Reads, but I have not seen a list, and I really hope that they haven't done away with it for this year, and it's probably going to be published tomorrow after we finish <laughs> recording this episode because that's just how the universe works. But obviously, Crime Reads is not the only resource for finding books that are coming out this year. They just put together really good lists every year and make it really easy. So <laughs> unfortunately, we will not have that to link in the show notes for this episode. But if they do come out with it, we'll make sure to share that with everyone. Yes. But yeah, I, I mean, I always... With the beginning of a new year, I always love the promise of adding a gajillion new books to my TBR. And I I had a lot of fun going through these. And I imagine you did too, because it's just it's just an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> it it really is. And I feel like I already had a lot of books I was very excited about. So I feel like my job was easier because I didn't see all of the books that Crime Reads would suggest, and I'm sure are excellent, and I'll be very excited to hear about them. But on my list already, I had so many, and I had to narrow it down. A lot of them are already favorite authors, but I wanted them to be genuinely the books that I'm most excited about for 2023 that are in the mystery thriller slash also horror category that we do here <laughs> on the podcast. So a lot of great hits today. All right. Well, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Because I am also very excited about your first pick that you have on your list. Yes. So uh, my first pick is actually coming out today on January 10th as of this recording, and that is Bad Cree by Jessica Johns. Now, I do believe um, this is Jessica Johns' debut novel. So like that is really exciting that there's so much buzz around it here to support debut authors. Uh, but this book is about a Cree woman who wakes up uh, with a severed crow's head in her hands and she panics. And she had been waking up from a nightmare, wakes up, the nightmare seems to be true, and then all of a sudden the head disappears and she doesn't really know what to make out with her life. Now, we've seen the scene before. Woman wakes up screaming from a nightmare. Then the nightmare seems to be true. But there's something a little more sinister about this. Night after night, Mackenzie, our protagonist, has been dreaming about her sister Sabrina's death that happened. We don't know a ton about what was going on. I guess that's part of the uh, plot twists that are going to come along the way. But she left her rural hometown in Alberta and went to the city to try to escape whatever happened. After these dreams start coming on more and more, she sees this crow head. Uh, she feels like she's being stalked by a murder of crows. Great name, of mm. course, for a group of crows. And uh, she has to go home and try to face her family's past. Um, and I think, you know, we've seen a lot of great indigenous horror novels coming out of uh, North America, and it's just a stunning set of authors. And I'm so excited for Jessica for her book to come out. And um, man, high up on my list. What about uh, have you you've heard of this book, right? I think we were just talking about how excited we were for this book. Yeah, no, I was gonna say this book has been on just about every most anticipated list that I've seen along along with the other book that you mentioned. But yeah, no, I've been seeing this one everywhere. And so it's automatically like planted itself in my head. And we just got our copy today at the library. And I'm looking at it going like, mm, I don't oh, I have to see if there are any holds on. If there aren't, I might have to snag it. <laughs> but yeah, it's supposed to be just awesome. And it's always really exciting when a novel like this, especially a debut novel like this, get, is getting this much attention. So I'm, yeah, I'm really excited for this one. And that cover also, uh, which oh, yeah. is the top half is white and it has the title and the author's name in black. But the bottom half, oh my goodness, it's, it's a photo taken as if you're lying on the ground looking up at the sky. And it's a 
red background with these black tree limbs coming up over your vision. And there's like a single crow like flying in the distance. And it's oh, it's so sinister, so creepy. So kudos to the um, designer. Um, but that is Bad Cree by Jessica Johns. And uh, Katie, what's your first pick? So this was one that I did not realize that this author had another book coming out, and I was very excited. So my first pick is All That Is Mine I Carry With Me by William Landay that comes out on March 7th. And I could be wrong. This may be the, well, the book that most people know William Landay for is Defending Jacob, which was published just over 10 years ago. This book I read a few years after it came out. I listened to it on audio. That book has stayed with me unlike anything, almost anything else I have ever read. It's a legal thriller. It's a family drama. And oh my gosh, the ending of that book is just going to rip your heart out here. Oh my gosh. It's a master. It's just such a good book in terms of just how skillfully he plots it, but how he sets up the ending and how well he does the characters and the, the drama and the suspense. It's it's a perfect pick for book clubs. I still hand this book to patrons who haven't read it before. I'm like, oh my gosh, you have to read it. So he has another book. He has this new book coming out and it seems like it's hitting on a lot of the same points that I felt like he did so well with Defending Jacob. And I'm hoping that this does not set it up for expectations being too high, but I don't think so. So in this book, there is, you have the Larkin family, you have 10-year-old Miranda who comes home from school in November 1975. Her house is unusually eerily quiet, and she realizes that her mother is missing. There's no sign of a struggle, it just appears like her mom has just disappeared. And investigators, they they suspect the father, the husband, because Dan Larkin, the husband, is a criminal defense attorney, so he would know all the things that he would have to do to outwit the police. But there's no evidence found linking him to a crime, and they don't really know what happened to their mother to begin with. And so the the incident kind of fades from public memory, but the family is still left with what happened. Um, there's a total of three children. So there's Miranda and then her brothers, Alex and Jeff. And they're living with their father who may or may not have murdered their mother. And they don't know. And then, so you have that. And then two decades later, her remains are found. The investigation comes up again. And now the children who are all grown. They're all adults now. They now have to re-grapple with this again and start to wonder, like, is was did their father have something to do with it? And this combination of, like, criminal investigation, legal thriller, but also family drama and just these questions of, you know, familial love and responsibility and, like, how far does your loyalty or your love for your family go like it oh my gosh this just seems like such the just such a perfect recipe for a really really engaging book and i am because i am the uh f because i order adult fiction at my library i i will put my name down for stuff uh, like first in line for holds if a patron has not already requested the book because I'm sorry, that's just one of that's a small privilege I get for working at a library, and I'm 100% going to do it with this one. So, Kendra, did you read Defending Jacob by any chance? No, I haven't read it yet. Oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, first off, you got to read that. Um, and then, yeah, so this one, uh, yeah, like I said, it comes out in early March, March 7th, and this is. Yeah, this is going to the top of my list, and I had no idea he was coming out with a new book until I started looking through some of these most anticipated lists. I saw it, and I was like, <gasps> so excited. It's just a little treat. And again, that is All That Is Mine I Carry With Me by William Landay. 
All right. And then before we jump to Kendra's next pick, uh, let's go ahead and hear from our second sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo. This is one I'm actually super excited about. I liked Lee Bardugo's other adult fantasy books. And so I'm really looking forward to this one. It's set in the Spanish Golden Age during a time of high stakes political intrigue and glittering wealth. It follows Luzia, a servant in the household of an impoverished Spanish nobleman who reveals a talent for little miracles. Her social climbing mistress demands Luzia use her gifts to win over Madrid's most powerful players. But what begins as simple amusement takes a dangerous turn. Luzia will need to use every bit of her wit and will to survive, even the help of Guillén Santangel, an immortal familiar whose own secrets could prove deadly for them both. So The Familiar by Lee Bardugo is on sale now. And like I said, it's a must read of the season. It's perfect for anyone who loves history, a little bit of magic, a lot of danger. You can get your copy now at LeeBardugoTheFamiliar.com. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. All right, take it away, Kendra. Okay, so my next pick is All Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby. Now, you all know that I love S.A. Cosby. He and Attica Locke are neck and neck for my favorite uh, Southern mystery novel writers. Thankfully, they write about completely different regions of the South. So that is delightful because we get a little bit of everything then. But uh, this book is, I believe, his fourth mystery novel. And so I am I am here for it. So this time, we're back again in the South. And a former FBI agent, Titus, he has kind of retired from the FBI to go home to Karen County. And he's back home and he's, you know, struggling. He's struggling to fit in. He's struggling to figure out what he wants to do. And he looks at the people around him, his community, and he sees that they're struggling with this bit bigoted police force, uh, and he decides then to run for sheriff. And so then he wins, and he becomes the first black sheriff in his county. And then a year after he becomes sheriff, a black man is fatally shot by Titus's deputies. That is really where everything takes off. And so he is a black sheriff in a southern town where, uh, you know, a lot of White guys will run around with the Confederate flag and all sorts of things. So it is a uniquely Southern novel. And I think that some of our best writers are writing about the South and they're doing such a great job of of capturing the moment that we're in, in stories that are so rich and, and deep with character. And I think that this, you know, writers like S.A. Cosby prove that mystery novels are truly the art that they are, just like a literary novel. And I just love that about his writing. Yeah, he's he's such a fantastic writer and every every premise that he that comes up with for each of his books, it's a little different, but every one you just know it's gonna have a, so much nuance and thought put into it. And yeah, I am super excited to see that he has a new book coming out. He's just oh He's fantastic. He is. And I remember Pamela Paul, bless, uh, from the New York Times Book Review interviewing him on the New York Times Book Review podcast 
when I think it was Razorblade Tears came out and she was trying to understand Southern writing. And it was a very interesting conversation about him describing these incredible writers that are writing about the South and why that was so important and the writers that we're writing today. And he just had a lot of great things to say. If I can find it, I will link that interview in our show notes. Um, But this is a writer that gets better with each novel. He's not satisfied just to rewrite the same one to recreate his past success. He wants to push the envelope and better his craft. And uh, it's so good. There's, he's so good. Um, it does come out in June, on June 6th from Flatiron. And I'm so sad that it's so far away, but he's worth waiting for. Yeah, and it'll give, it'll give us time to read the rest of his books before this one comes out. <laughs> yes, definitely worth it. And also... Adam Lazar White uh, reads the audiobooks. And let me tell you, that man could read a grocery list. And I would love it. Like, so good. So if you love audiobooks, it's perfect. Like, ugh, go forth. But that is All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby. All right. So my second pick is Red London by Alma Katsu, which comes out on March 14th. And of course, I've talked about Alma Katsu so much on this show, but I wanted specifically to mention this book because last year I read her first spy novel, espionage novel, uh, Red Widow, which was just blew me away in terms of how much I enjoyed it. And I, I say this every time, I'm not usually in to spy espionage novels. It just, it's not a subject that usually interests me. But she does such a knockout job with the book. And I didn't realize until long after I had read it that she has several decades worth of experience in the intelligence community. And I'm like, oh, that's why it was so good. And it felt so grounded and just rooted in reality. I'm like, because it was, because she she did this for like 30 years. So yeah, when I found out that there was going to be a second book in the Red Widow series, I automatically was like, oh, yay. It's, I, like I said, I don't usually get excited about espionage novels. But so this book follows... If you read the first one, you know, uh, Lindsay Duncan is one of the main characters, the main character, even though the in the previous book, it went back and forth between a couple. But this takes place shortly after the events of Red Widow. So just based on what I have read with the synopsis for Red London, you will definitely want to read Red Widow first, just to, so you have an understanding of where everything is, because some of the things that happened in that in the at the end of the first book carry over into this one. Um, but basically, Lindsay Duncan has arrived in London from the States, and she has been tasked with keeping tabs on her newest Russian asset from the previous book. And she arrives in London all set, like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But then her counterpart in MI6 he calls for her and says that, hey, I've got a new job that I need your help with. And she is supposed to become friends and try to glean information from this woman named Emily, who is the British wife of a uh, billionaire uh, who is originally from Russia named Mikhail. And so Lindsay has to try and you know, make friends with Emily to see what to what information she can get about Emily's husband and his relationship with the new Russian president, who the CIA and MI6 believe is responsible for the sudden mis- mysterious disappearance of his predecessor. And so Lindsay was like, okay, yeah, that this shouldn't be this shouldn't be that difficult. Emily, they've recently had a, there was an attack on their home recently, and she's really freaked out. So she's excited to have, you know, a friend to to talk to. But obviously, the plot thickens. And then the CIA uncovers other things that might be going on. And Lindsay's responsibilities and her tasks become all of a sudden much more high stakes and much, much, much more difficult. So this book just feels like it has all of the it just it has the the nuance the understanding of like 
global politics, which again, not usually my, not usually my strong area, but Alma Katsu just brought so much knowledge to that first book. And sometimes I think it can be difficult when you have an author who clearly either A, knows the subject really well, or B, did a ton of research beforehand. And sometimes it can feel like this information that they have is just kind of shoehorned into the plot and it just doesn't really fit. She, Alma Katsu just made it so seamless. And I'm really excited for this type of book. And it's, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really excited for what sounds to be and just a thoughtful, suspenseful, really, really, really intelligent read. And I, well, leading up to this book and then after it comes out, I am going to be pushing Red Window into a bunch of people's hands because it is so, so good. And Kendra, I think I talked about this book before you came on the show. Did Have you happened to read Red Widow yet? I have not. And I am uh, with you on that. I'm not really into spy novels, but I feel like, you know, I'm always up for venturing and trying something again. So I feel like that would be the book I would be good to pick up. I also, I listened to it on audio and it was mm. fantastic. That sounds good to me. <laughs> Yep. So yeah, it was I I really enjoyed it. I I listened. um, I had a lot of fun listening, listening to this one on my way to and from work. But yeah, I'm it's it's one of those things. It's like someone's not usually a reader of a particular subgenre. All of a sudden they go, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. You can put some weight on that. So but again, the the second book in the Red Widow series is called Red London by Alba Katsu, and that is out on March 14th. And my last pick of today is actually coming out in July. Oh my goodness, it's a, so far away. I know it'll happen in a blink of an eye, but I'm excited for The Mistress of Batia House by Sujata Massey. Would it be a Red or Dead episode if we didn't <laughs> talk about Sujata Massey? No, no, we're not. Um, this is the fourth book in her Pervine Mystery series. So if you are new here, welcome. We love Pervine Mystery. She is the only female lawyer in Bombay in India in 1922. And there she is a solicitor, as they say, because, you know, different countries, different roles in law, etc. Anyway, important thing here, Pervine Mystery um, finds herself in a unique position where a lot of times she goes in and as a woman, she's able to talk to women in a way that is appropriate, while a male solicitor would not be allowed to talk to these women in certain cases, like in her first uh, novel, The Widows of Malabar Hill. In this one, um, I'm trying to read this without giving some spoilers for the previous novel, but she apparently is attending a lavish fundraiser for a new women's hospital specializing in maternal health issues when she witnesses an accident. And that really sets off this series of events where she finds herself once again embroiled at the center of controversy in the city. And at this time, it was before India had independence, right? So we're still a couple of decades away from that. So we still have, you know, British colonialism, and a lot of the protests against that. So there's a lot of politics, obviously a lot of things around gender, around gender and culture. I'm so excited. I can't even pronounce words. But one of the things I think is really great about this novel is that we here often feature a lot of books that are horror or thrillers. Um, but if you're on the more cozy mystery side of the spectrum, this is a book for you. It's a fantastic historical mystery. Sujata Massey only comes out with a book every two to three years because she does so much research. And I really appreciate her going to that length. It's also from an indie press. So if you want to support an indie press, Soho Press, definitely pick up this book. Yeah, I, I don't have anything else to add. I mean, I love Sujata Masi. And again, I'm, yeah, I'm usually the dark, demented and disturbing one on the podcast. <laughs> and I just love this series. So again, go take that to the bank. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, they're so good. So, so good. And they, they make, like, we talked about her for, you know, if you're looking for a gift suggestion, mm-hmm. like they, she the, her books can appeal to such a wide range of readers, and they're they're so well done. And I love the character of Pervine Mystery. She's she's a really 
good character without being like annoying. <laughs> yeah. Like kind of Pollyanna like. Right. Yeah. I mean that's I mean that's all I have to say because I've already just <laughs> gone on and on about how much I love this series. So I I will cut myself off. And I think one of the things is that this book is so like you said, loved by people who love a, a wide range of genres. And uh, when I uh, worked at Reading Women, we had a like little Etsy store where you could request like books recommended for someone else and like sort of like TBR, but on a smaller scale. And I, I kid you not, The Widows of Malabar Hill was one of the most books that people loved from me just sending them out. I would buy them in stacks. And it was just really lovely to introduce so many people to Purving Mystery. I was able to talk to her and she's so lovely to chat with. So I will include that interview down below as well for people to enjoy. But yes, sorry, I'll quit gushing. I'll quit gushing. <laughs> um, that is The Mistress of Batya House by Sujata Massey. And uh, Katie, you have our, our last pick of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I realize well, I realize that A, all three of my picks come from authors who I've already read stuff by them, which is cool. But I also really was trying to find books that are getting me to step outside the horror psychological suspense crossover little subgenre that I've been very comfortably residing in for a while. <laughs> um, I've, you know, it's reading has been hard lately, and I've just been finding the books that really just resonate with me, and which is great. But then it's also like, that's kind of all I've been talking about. So I'm trying to find some new ones, different, different flavors to try in the year of 2023, which will hopefully have a little bit more energy for um, reading outside of my my usual favorites. But my last book that I picked is Sing Her Down by Ivy Pachoda. And I read Ivy Pachoda's book, uh, These Women, um, last year, the year before. No, I, it was a little bit longer than that. But it was, that book was amazing. It was just a connection. It was like these multiple characters, you get their their stories that are loosely connected. And then as you get through the book, they become more and more connected. There's someone who's killing sex workers in LA. And you get the perspective from one of the victims and then the other people in her life. And you slowly kind of put the picture together of who these women were, but who also is doing the killings. And it's just a really strong female oriented feminist type of story. And I just really loved it. And this book is described as no country for old men meets killing Eve. And while I'm not a usually a Western fan, I am 100% a killing Eve fan. And so I was like, okay, you had me there. And you have these two women who are being kept in uh, the Arizona women's prison. You have Florida Baum and Dio Sandoval. And they are, it sounds like that they were at one point cellmates, but not anymore. And Florida claims that she's she tells everyone that she's uh that she's innocent she doesn't deserve to be in prison but dios actually knows the truth and it's like mm, yeah this is you are far from innocent and dios knows that it, basically she knows what florida is capable of and she really wants she like real she wants to basically open florida's eyes and be like hey you've got this darkness inside you, you need to be aware of it and like embrace it. And then all of a sudden, these women are unexpectedly granted their freedom. And so Dios just develops this obsession, this fixation on Florida. And it turns into this kind of cat and mouse game. And if you've if you've seen Killing Eve, you know, you're picking up on those strong elements. And they go from Arizona to L.A., and again, because I am hoping to be traveling out to LA for the first time in my life um, at the end of February, I'm kind of in that that kind of mindset right now. And yeah, I this one sounds really, really interesting. It's definitely outside of the types of books I've been picking up recently. It's from an author who I already know has written just a really outstanding feminist crime novel. And I'm really excited for this one. I hear I'm, I'm going to throw it to you, Kendra. Like, <laughs> <laughs> have you read any of Ivy Pachota's stuff? Have you like? I I haven't. I feel like this is a whole new world. Like today, 
So I'm just have I have little note cards when we record and I just fill them with titles to put on my DBR. So I, listener, am here with you. <laughs> <laughs> just discovering new stuff all the time. Um, but yeah, that uh, again, just real quickly, that is Sing Her Down by Ivy Pachota, which is no country for old men meets Killing Eve. And I am here for it. <laughs> Well, those are our books for today. We don't have any new titles because all of these are new titles. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to cover before we roll it out? Well, I did cheat and pick a fourth book, <laughs> but it's an honorable mention. Not much I need to say. It's Riley Sager has a new book coming out this summer. I have to mention it. It's not a year without a Riley Sager book. It's true. And I, I just finished reading like a few days ago. I just finished reading The House Across the Lake, which was his most recent one, and I really liked it. And so his new one is coming out on June 20th. It's called The Only One Left. It's billed as a gothic horror. I had mm. to put one in there. And it is drawing heavily on the history and crimes of Lizzie Borden. So wow. I'm sold. Yeah. I'm like... There you go. <laughs> I love how he does something different. Like he takes on a different type of thriller horror book with each each story that he writes. So mm -hmm. here for that. Yeah, I knew it was going to be gothic horror, but then I looked up the synopsis today, and they're like, and it's they mentioned Lizzie Borden. I'm like, well, there we go. <laughs> I'm going to read it. <laughs> and I, I will just mention that uh, Cherie Dimeline and Stephen Graham Jones also have new books coming out. I believe both of those are coming out in February, I think, as of right now. That could, of course, change. And all the dates we mentioned today could, of course, change. But it's going to be a good year. I'm feeling good about it. Right? So many, so many great ones. Uh, Stephen Graham Jones' book arrived today. We did a little happy dance. So he's one of my favorite authors now. So any book that he writes, I will read. <laughs> um, well, that's our show, friends. Uh, thanks so much to everyone for listening. And of course, many, many heartfelt thanks to our sound editor, Jen Zink, who always makes us sound great. Uh, for show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at writerdead at bookriot.com. In the meantime, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at KD Winchester. And you can find Katie on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. Again, those sound somewhat similar in the beginning, so they will be linked in our show notes. And uh, we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye.